All right, I want to welcome everybody to Pastor's Point of View number 190. Today Whoa. is, <laughs> we're getting up there, aren't we, Man. In, in our numerical count. Today is December the 10th, Mm-mm-mm. 2021. Um, my name is Dr. Andy Woods. I'm the pastor teacher here at Sugarland Bible Church, along with my friend, colleague, fellow elder, associate pastor... Uh, Dr. Jim McGowan, and you know we had to kind of cut off last time as we were doing our prophecy update, just due to the number of issues we were talking about. I needed a break. I was getting emotionally <laughs> charged. Yes, and uh, we have looked at in terms of this outline, Israel. We're, we're doing updates on these prophetic subjects, Israel. The coming Gog Magog invasion. We looked at the mark of the beast, and the last time we were together, we were talking about tyranny, government tyranny. Mm-hmm. You know, breaking out all over the world. Yeah. And let's just move to this fifth and final category here, brother Jim. This has to do right. with something called a critical race theory. And let me explain to people prophetically why we're bringing this up. Um, we don't just bring up news items just to bring up news items. Mm-hmm. Um, other shows, you know, do that. Uh, we're trying to give you news that's that we consider to be prophetically significant. Well, we're not trying to do newspaper exegesis, right? <laughs> that's right. And uh, when you when you look at the book of Daniel, chapter seven and verse twenty five, it's a description of what the little horn or the Antichrist is going to do when he comes to power. Yes. And what does it say there in Daniel 7, verse 25? All right, folks, again, we're using the New American Standard 95 update, Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. He will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the Highest One, and he will intend to make alterations in times and in law, and they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. And there's an awful lot to unpack in this verse. If people want the full exposition of it, they can go into our sermon archives yes. and look at our verse-by-verse teachings on Daniel and what we said about this verse when we got there. But the only point I want to focus in on here for our purposes is this underlined phrase, he, that's the Antichrist, will intend to make alterations in times and law. Mm-hmm. Now, my understanding of it is he will erase um, what is considered normal, and he will usher in the new normal. Mm-hmm. And what was considered normal was the Judeo-Christian underpinnings of civilization. Yes, You know, he will attempt uh, what today is being called a great global reset, which involves erasing um, the Christian vestiges of the world that came before. And the only other time in the Bible that I I know of that makes reference to the times is what God did in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. And what does it say there? I think this is on creation day number four, if memory serves. Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. See, see who is it that creates the times? It's mm-hmm. God. Yeah. And this was before man. This is day four. Man doesn't come into existence until day six of the creation week. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's God that sets up the day, the night, the signs the seasons, the days, and the years. Mm-hmm. So when Daniel 7 verse 25 says the little horn or the Antichrist is going to make alterations in times and law, he's erasing God. Is that not your understanding mm-hmm. of that? Well, it's, it, again, it reminds me of what we see Satan doing all along through through biblical history. God does something, Satan comes along and, and mimics it, but changes it. Yes. It's the same thing. Here. Yes, yes. And if I'm understanding Bible prophecy correctly, when the Antichrist shows up, he will do this on a maximum scale. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I, I like to use this analogy. It's a lot like 
what happened in the French Revolution, mm. which was a which was a revolution that took place roughly the same time as our War of Independence yeah. and America's Revolution took place. <laughs> Ours, I think, had a Christian underpinning. Yeah. The one in France did not. No, it was no. the opposite. It was trying to erase God. Mm-hmm. So they so they erased the seven day week because mm-hmm. that comes from the Bible. Yeah. And they even erased the calendar system, B.C. and A.D., because that references Jesus. And so I think they started at year zero or year one or something like this, and they went to a 10-day week instead of a seven-day week, which, by the way, was a total disaster. The moment they did that is the moment heart attacks and divorce and spousal abuse and virtually every negative social indicator you can think of went up. Mm-hmm. So it never works. But that kind of concept in the French Revolution will be done globally through the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. I mean, he will try to create a world that doesn't have any reminding remindings of mm-hmm. the presence of God in it. Mm-hmm. And I believe that one of the tools that Satan is using today is something called critical race theory. Uh, critical race theory is communism. Yes. In fact, here is the book by James Cone, who, of course, was the mentor of a man named Reverend Jeremiah Wright. Huh. Surprise, surprise. Who I call Reverend Wrong, mm-hmm. not Reverend Wright, Reverend Wrong. And he was the pastor of one of the most liberal presidents we've ever had for 20 years in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Barack Hussein Obama. So it kind of went from um, Cone to Wright to Obama. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cone was developing in the theological schools, critical race theory, around the same time William, a man named William Bell was developing it in the law schools. Mm. So it has a legal dimension and it has a theological dimension. Mm. But the common thread the common tie that binds is is Marxism. And you can see that in the title of James Cone's book, The Black Church and Marxism, What Do They Have to Say to Each Other? So even the title itself, you know, basically admits or concedes that critical race theory is actually communism. Mm -hmm. And I did a sermon on it of this year, 2021, July the 4th, and if people want an in-depth treatment of critical race theory and why we think it's unbiblical and why we think it's wrong, I would encourage them to access you know, that, that particular, yeah, that. Yeah, go, that particular sermon. Um, but the whole function of communism is to create class warfare. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a divide and conquer strategy. How do, how do communists conquer nations? They get the host nation to go to war with itself, because after all, Jesus Himself said, "A house divided against itself, Matthew chapter twelve, Amen. you know, cannot stand." And typically, it's done through the war between the proletariat versus the what's called the bourgeoisie, mm-hmm. the rich versus the poor the haves versus the have-nots. The problem is class warfare doesn't sell in America because America is unique amongst the nations of the earth in the sense that we have class mobility. Mm. You know, most places around the world, whatever class you're born in, that's your status for your whole life. America, you can start poor and end up rich, and the opposite can happen. That's true. Um, And there's many, many stories of that. But So class warfare is hard to sell in a country like ours, but racial conflict is an easier sell Mm -hmm. because America has had racial problems in the past Mm -hmm. with uh, segregation and before that slavery. Mm -hmm. And so there's lingering resentment still in people. And um, it's easier to tell them that the whole society is is built against them because it was structured from racism. Mm -hmm. And so that's the connection between critical race theory, you know, and Marxism. And uh, it was um, Saul Alinsky, famous communist, who basically talked about 
you go into a community and you try to find resentments in that community and you inflame those Mm -hmm. and you get groups at war with each other. And when they're at war with each other, it's easier to bring in a Marxist ideal Mm -hmm. because a house divided against itself cannot stand. Mm -hmm. So that's essentially what critical race theory is. Now, the reason critical race theory which is being used to usher America into Marxism is prophetically significant is because it is being used to change the times and the seasons. Exactly what Daniel 7 verse 25 says. It is, and we'll give a few examples of this today. It's being used to take what was formerly Christian and influence and purge it Mm -hmm. and bring in something different. And the tool that's being used to purge Christendom from society and from the world is what what existed formerly was structurally racist Mm -hmm. or institutionally racist. Mm -hmm. And this is happening now in real time, and I think it's going to accelerate, of course, when the Antichrist comes forward. But with all of that being said, let's look at a few examples of this. Um, we have this article from the collegefix.com, and the title of it is Cal State Long Beach. Let's hold the phone right there. That's my stomp, old stomping grounds. Yes. Uh, my wife grew up in Long Beach, California. I grew up in Los Alamitos, nearby Los Alamitos, California. And Cal State Long Beach, of course, was the big state school you know, where I grew up. And so this article says Cal State Long Beach holds Kyle Rittenhouse verdict debriefing for students. Oh, so they got all the court documents and <laughs> sat down with them and reviewed the court documents, I suppose. Right? Unfortunately, they didn't do that. Oh. And this is by Christian Schneider, November the 23rd, 2021. This is all very recent. And, of course, the Kyle Rittenhouse case and verdict is being called by critical race theorists white supremacy. Of course. And so since the verdict didn't go the way people wanted, who hold the critical race theory, a state university, and they're not the only ones as we get into this Mm. article. No. uh, Universities around the country have to hold debriefing sessions to help students understand, you know, boy, this is awful that such a racist thing happened. And here's how you cope with it. And this is the advent and the influence of critical race theory. You were going to say something. Well, you said to help them learn how to cope with it. I, I, I really <laughs> thought what you're going to say was that, that the, uh, these uh, universities are going to tell them what to think. And I think that's basically that may, what's basically happening. The, the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's as you read this, it's astonishing how critical mm-hmm. race theory now has the upper hand. Yeah. Um, so help us with that article. Okay, folks. Noting counseling and psychological services staff will be present. California State University Long Beach Dean of Students. Pia Bose invited faculty and students to take part in a debriefing of last week's verdict that found teenager Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty on all charges after shooting three protesters during rioting in Kenosha, Wisconsin last year. Even though the protesters shot by Rittenhouse were white, activists have nonetheless argued his presence at the Kenosha riots was a sign of his white supremacy. So it's a white man shooting white people, but this is being promoted as white supremacy. I can't figure it out. Let's continue reading. Rutgers University professor Brittany Cooper said uh, the Rittenhouse verdict was a sign of which version of whiteness? America wants. She said there have always been white victims of white supremacy. Uh, At Fitchburg State University in Massachusetts, administrators scheduled virtual and in-person physical spaces for students who needed to process the Rittenhouse verdict. The spaces are segregated by the student's color 
with white and students of color being asked to attend separate processing spaces. Just to stop for a second. So the these counseling sessions designed to help people cope with white supremacy, alleged white supremacy, are themselves segregated. That's what it looks like <laughs> it says, yes. <clears throat> Continuing. At New York University, Dean Neil Gutterman issued a statement saying the school's social work scholars, teachers, and learners stand in solidarity with those protesting against racial injustice and share the pain at the outcome of the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Quoting, I am thinking of you all as we process this latest injustice and redouble our commitment to advance social justice and racial equality, close quote, wrote Gutterman, inviting students to call a hotline if they need to talk to a counselor. Yeah, you know, this kind of reminds me of when Trump won in 2016. Oh, yes. And, of course, all the students got the day off. Yes, yes, bless their hearts. And they brought in, you know, hot chocolate. Poor babies. And trauma dogs to pet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it was obviously yeah. a racist country that yeah. elected a racist. That's, that's right. And yeah. this is the same mindset it's with this Rittenhouse verdict where – and this is why I'm bringing this up. What's happening – is the judicial system is being politicized by oh. critical race theory. Yeah. yeah. Race and critical race theory has nothing to do with this. It's a self-defense case. Clearly. And the jury heard all the evidence. The people out there running around with their opinions calling it racist didn't hear the evidence. Correct. They heard a snapshot. Or don't care. Or don't care. They heard a snapshot of it you know, from, the, from a media source. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people that were actually there that heard the evidence, listened to the evidence, weighed the evidence, contended that Rittenhouse was acting in self-defense. Right. So this had nothing to do with race. And besides that, it's a white man shooting white people. Mm -hmm. But this is the potency of critical race theory where now we look at verdicts like this through a particular lens, yeah. which is the whole goal of critical race theory. Mm -hmm. And it's an example of, of altering Mm -hmm. or changing the times and the law, which yes. which is what Daniel 7, verse 25 says will accelerate. Great point. You know, as we, as we go to the end of the age. Um, and not only <laughs> is the Rittenhouse verdict being looked at through the CRT, critical race theory lens, but we just are very close to emerging from Thanksgiving. <laughs> did, did you know that Thanksgiving, according to some, is a white supremacist genocidal holiday? I found that out. And, you know, <clears throat> the thing is, um, I've been celebrating Thanksgiving my whole life, and it really wasn't until this year that I've, and maybe I've just been obtuse to it and blind to it, where I've heard this loud cacophony of voices mm. trying to make you feel guilty for celebrating something as simple as Thanksgiving. It's either you're, you're spreading the, you know, the <clears throat> virus because you're not social distancing in your home, or you know, racist, 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 how dare you celebrate a genocidal holiday? Well, you know, Pastor, <laughs> they weren't satisfied with ruining Columbus Day. Yes, that's exactly right. Columbus Day is viewed through the same lens. It's the same so, thing. So here we have this um, article from Summit News, and it is entitled MSNBC. Not that we spent a lot of time watching MSNBC. We have to read articles to see what they're actually saying. On Unfortunately, MSNBC, MSNBC <laughs> declares Thanksgiving is about white people celebrating genocide and violence against blacks. Race baiters declare violent private white supremacy is celebrated and subsidized. Uh, by by Stephen Watts, November the twenty second, oh two thousand and twenty one. You can go ahead and read that whole thing in its entirety. Oh boy! Okay, <laughs> MSNBC took five minutes out of its race baiting coverage of the Rittenhouse case to remind its extremist viewers that Thanksgiving is coming up 
and that it is a celebration of white supremacy. Tiffany Cross, who earlier had called Kyle Rittenhouse a, quote, murderous white supremacist, close quote, handed over a segment of her show to, I guess this is Giassi Ross, Mm -hmm. who declared that the holiday is part of the, quote, pathology (laughs) of white America, close quote. Believing that they have improved the country, I'm still trying to find out what indigenous people received of value, close quote. Rose proclaimed, added, adding, instead of bringing stuffing and biscuits, those settlers brought genocide and violence. He further declared that genocide and violence is still on the menu as state-sponsored violence against Native and Black Americans is commonplace. And violent private white supremacy is celebrated and subsidized Black people are still being murdered by those paid to protect us, Ross added in a rant against police. He continued, white Americans are still killing Native and black Americans with no fear of reprisal. They brought chattel slavery to Africans and Native people that still happens through the prison industrial complex that imprisons the descendants of enslaved Africans and Natives at far disparate numbers. That is the reality of Thanksgiving, he concluded. Yeah. You know, I I used to think that Thanksgiving, I still think this is a Christian holiday. Yeah. Where you're thanking the Lord for his provision. Thanksgiving. Yes. And I would say Columbus Day is a Christian holiday. Absolutely. Because we have used his quote from his own book that he wrote, Mm -hmm. the Book of Prophecies, where he claims that the Holy Spirit is what burdened him, you know, to, you know, come out to this part of the world. Yep. And with this critical race theory lens, we're now being taught to look at these things through an institutionally racist perspective, and you're taking what is formerly Christian and you're erasing it. I mean, isn't that what Daniel 7 verse 25 is talking about? And so so. I think this is a prophetic trend for that reason, and I think this is only going to accelerate under Mm -hmm. the future Antichrist. Am I missing something here? You just sort of have to upset the, the, uh, the apple cart, as they say. Get all the apples spilled out all over the ground, and then you can rearrange them anywhere you want. There you go. Now, certainly, giving to the Salvation Army, <laughs> what could be wrong with that? Let's well, find out. <laughs> here we have another example where CRT is race, erasing <laughs> Judeo-Christian history. Um, yes. It's, it's changing <clears throat> what these ministries were originally based on. I mean, this Salvation Army, this is a, a ministry that goes back to um, uh, 1891 um, when the first uh, Red Kettle was set up in Oakland in 1891, and this mm-hmm. this ministry was founded, founded in, 1865. in 1865 in London, England. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the article. This is from Central Nova News. Uh, November 23rd, I give the dates because I just want people to see these are all recent articles. That's right. It says, along with the coins this Christmas, Salvation Army wants white donors to, to offer, you know, first of all, why do we care if they're a donor, what color they are? They're a donor. They, they care about somebody in need. Uh, why does it matter if they're black, white, yellow, red, whatever. And so we're elevating this issue of race and interjecting it into everything. Um, the, the truth of the matter is the whole concept of race is false because the Bible says there's only one race. One. The human race. That's right. And people can find that in Acts um, 17 and verse 26. In fact, since the Bible is nearby, let me just read that to you. This is what Paul, the apostle, himself says on Mars Hill, he says, he, that's God, made from every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. So notice that we all come from one man, Adam. That's right. And it doesn't matter what, you know, the pigmentation of our skin is. 
um, we're all in Adam's lineage. That's what the and Bible so says. And so there's only one race, the human race. Yes, sir. And so when someone starts talking about races, they're, they're obviously moving into a non-biblical worldview. It, it strikes me very strange, just the title here, that first of all, the title acknowledges that these people that are giving, they are donating. They are giving of their finances to help someone that is not as well off as they are. Yeah. And so somehow we're going to twist this and forget the donor part of it yeah. and just look at the color of their skin. Yeah, exactly. So the title is MSNBC mm-hmm. Declares mm-hmm. Thanksgiving is, uh, whoops, that was the other article. Got mixed up there. <laughs> Let's not go back we there. Can, we can reread that one if you want. <laughs> it says, along with coins this Christmas, Salvation Army mm-hmm. wants white donors to offer a sincere apology for their racism. Um, so we're going to make people who never owned slaves apologize to people who never were slaves, I guess, is the mindset. While they give them money. While they give their money. And this is part of the Salvation Army SOP, Standing Operation Procedure, as of this coming Christmas season. What does that article say? The Salvation Army wants its white donors to give it more than just money this Christmas season. Its leadership is also demanding they apologize for being racist. The Salvation Army's Alexandria-based leadership has created an International Social Justice Commission, which has developed and released a resource to educate its white donors. It asserts Christianity is institutionally racist. Now think about this. The Salvation Army that's supposed to be a Christian organization is now saying that Christianity is institutionally racist. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I digress. Well, <laughs> see, and that's an important point to bring up because that's how you know you're dealing with critical race theory. Critical race theory doesn't target individual racists, which obviously there are those mm-hmm. that are individual mm-hmm. racists. Uh, if that's all they were doing with this CRT stuff, I'd be fine with it mm-hmm. because individual racists need to be exposed. Yes, sir. But by using the expression institutionally racist, mm-hmm. uh, structurally racist, here's another synonym, systemically racist. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. What they're arguing is society itself is racist without realizing it. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it needs to be toppled and replaced with what? Uh, a more of a Marxist utopia mm-hmm. involving the redistribution of wealth. In this case, it would not be wealth from the rich to the poor. It would be wealth from, as they define it, from one race to another through what's called reparations, mm-hmm. which is just when you get into re- mandatory redistribution of the wealth, that's just a code word for Marxism. This is how critical race theory is being used to advance Marxism in the United States of America. Wow. And by the way, once they implement Marxism, it will be absolute living hell on earth. And all you got to do is talk to the people that are fleeing to this country from Marxist regimes. Yes. Talk to them and you'll get a full understanding yes. of what Marxism is really about. Yes, sir. It, it promises freedom, but the end thereof is, as Frederick Hayek put it, uh, the road to serfdom, mm-hmm. the road to slavery. I'm yes. sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. I failed to mention the name of this resource. The name of the resource is called Let's Talk About Racism. And again, it asserts Christianity is institutionally racist, calling for white Christians, notice how they're singling this out, white Christians to repent and offer a sincere apology to blacks for being antagonistic to black people or the culture, values, and and interests of the black community. Quoting, many have come to believe that we live in a post-racial society, but racism is very real for our brothers and sisters who are refused jobs and housing, denied basic rights, and brutalize and oppress simply because of the color of their skin, one lesson explains. There is an urgent need for Christians to evaluate racist attitudes and practices in light of our faith. Notice he doesn't say Bible. Mm-hmm. In light of our 
faith and to live faithfully in today's world. In an accompanying studying study guide on racism, uh, the subtle the Salvation Army authors explain the subtle nature of racism is such that people who are not consciously racist easily function with the privileges, empowerment, and benefits of the dominant ethnicity, thus unintentionally perpetuating injustice, it says. Sunday school curriculum that only uses white photography and imagery is an example given that perpetuates injustice. We must stop denying the existence of individual and systemic institutional racism. They exist and are still at work to keep white Americans in power, the lesson says. Leading critical race theory purveyors Robin D'Angelo and Henry Rogers, a.k.a. Ibram Kendi, whose work is recommended by Salvation Army authors, uh, claim that any observable difference in relative behavior or accomplishment between racial groups is due to the inherent racism of whites. Going on, structural racism, they say. That's the key buzzword there. Structural Structural racism is the overarching system of racial bias across institutions and society. These these systems, rather, give uh, privileges to white people resulting in disadvantages to blacks, reads a Salvation Army lesson. They want them to demonstrate what they call anti-racism in favor of blacks, helping to establish lower standards for them than they do members of other racial groups, or making cash reparations payments to blacks as compensation for alleged previous racism. Let's stop there just for a second. You see the end goal here, reparations? There it is. Uh People, when they see that word, should just cross it out and put wealth redistribution. That's right. But you see, bourgeoisie versus proletariat, wealth redistribution doesn't sell in America, Mm -hmm. but reparations does because of the sins of our past, which, by the way, we've done a lot to atone for. My goodness, yes. When you look at the Civil Rights Act of 1964, etc. But nothing will satisfy these critical race theory people until they get reparations. Mm-hmm. Um, that's wealth transfer. Yeah. And once that becomes governmental policy, you are into full-throated, full-fledged Marxism. Yes, sir. And so this is how critical race theory is being used to advance Marxism in our country. That's why Cohn's book is entitled The Black Church and Marxism. What do they have to say to each other? Mm-hmm. So when was the Salvation Army founded? Can you read that last sentence there? Yeah, founded in 1865 in London, England. The Salvation Army is both a Protestant Christian church (laughs) and an international (laughs) charitable organization. Its first red kettle was set up in Oakland, California in 1891. So they're taking a Christian organization built around humanitarian concerns and turning it into a critical race theory mm-hmm. enterprise. Yeah, um, this is the changing of the times and the law. That's exactly yeah. right. And this this kind of thing, I think, is going to accelerate. By the way, they've done the exact same thing to a ministry that was very helpful to me in college, Campus Crusade for Christ. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that name Crusade was too politically incorrect, so they changed it to Crew. And if you look at Trevor Loudon's latest movie and website, he has live footage of crew leadership training meetings where their whole focus is these kinds of issues. Yeah. Reparations, refugee settlement. And I'm I'm here to tell you folks mm. that I was blessed through that ministry. And we weren't talking about structural racism or institutional racism when I was involved in that ministry back in the 1980s. You know what we were talking about? We were talking about the four spiritual laws, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is what the founder, Bill Bright, put together to lead college students to Christ. Right. I mean, the whole focus was evangelism, evangelism, evangelism. And it's turned into... 
institutional racism. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what's now happening to the Salvation Army, and it's tragic to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the Great Commission is not individual salvation anymore. It's the collective salvation of nations, and they think collective salvation is getting rid of the free market and replacing it with mandatory wealth redistribution. So what I'm hearing you say is the organization has moved, they moved from Christ to Stalin. Yeah. That's exactly what's... That's a big move. Yeah, and Satan must really be laughing. Hmm. In fact, the people that came up with this must themselves be shocked at their progress and how successful they've been. Mm. I mean, if you were to tell me in, I was involved with Campus Crusade for Christ, now called Crew, from 1985 to 1989. And to me as a college student, that ministry was like a lifeline. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you told me back then that it would move into this kind of stuff, nobody would believe you. No, no. And lo and behold, it's happened. Oh, yeah. What does is, what is Paul say in Galatians 5, verse 9? A little little leaven leavens the whole lump. Mm-hmm. It, it spreads rapidly. It sure does. And it gets right down to changing furniture and changing the look of cathedrals <laughs> that have been in existence for 850 years. So here we have an article from Robert <clears throat> Spencer November the 27th, 2021, PJ Media, historic Notre Dame Cathedral, which caught on fire, you'll remember. Mm -hmm. And of course, when it caught on fire, uh, I was watching Fox News at the time, and the Roman Catholic defender, um, he's not so much a theologian, but he tries to defend the Roman Catholic Church against on legal issues and political issues. I think mm-hmm. his last name is Donahue. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on Fox News, Neil Cavuto, and as they were discussing this Notre Dame Cathedral, how it caught on fire, he says, you know, we ought to investigate the Muslims for arson. Now, why is that? Well, they're the ones that have burned down cathedrals everywhere in Europe, and so maybe they burned this one down too. And immediately when he went in that direction, Cavuto not, didn't just cut him off, kicked him off the television set mm-hmm. and said, we can't make that insinuation. Yeah. And so this was sort of the background of this cathedral burning. Hmm. Um, you can't even say a, a Muslim <clears throat> did it or let's investigate the Muslims, hmm. even though they have a track record of doing this kind of stuff. Uh Simply saying that, you know, caused you to get kicked off media. And, of course, the whole thing was blamed on an uh, electrical short or something like that. You know, I don't know if the Muslims did this or not, but the fact of the matter is if they did do this, it would be consistent with how they behaved concerning other well-known buildings Mm -hmm. uh, of a Christian nature. Yes. Like this. Am I going too far? Mm, well, we have a saying here in Texas, if it walks like a duck and yes. quacks like a duck, hmm, perhaps so it's any, a duck. So anyway, it burned down, and so how are they going to rebuild it? Well, let's find it. Well, they're going to build back better. <laughs> what a shock. Of course. So the title of this article is Historic Notre Dame Cathedral Being Built Back Better. Gee, where have I heard All that right. before? Being Built Back Better as a woke Uh-oh. theme park. Help us with this article. Oh, if- we need help. <laughs> French President Emmanuel <clears throat> Moron, I mean Macron, <laughs> vowed in April 2019 that the 850-year-old Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, one of the most monumental, iconic manifestations of Europe's now largely discarded Christian faith, would be built back better. He says, we will rebuild Notre Dame more beautiful than before. And by that, he meant more woke. The new Notre Dame Cathedral, which is slated to open in 2024, will not be a monument to Christianity, but to Europe's new faith of leftism. The cathedral is being turned into a woke theme park. (laughs) 
This will involve the scrapping of confessional boxes, side altars, and sculptures, so as to make room for trendy art murals with sound and lighting effects creating emotional spaces. The new Notre Dame will also focus on the real threat to humanity. Pause. Not the inclination to sin that is inside every human soul, that's so 12th century, but global warming, of course. The new and improved cathedral will feature a chapel dedicated to reconciled creation, referring to Pope Francis's Laudato Si encyclical, which lamented an environmental degradation and global warming. I have to pause for a moment to wipe away a tear, excuse me. <laughs> That's not all. The new cathedral will also celebrate <coughs> diversity and multiculturalism. How could it not do so? A discovery trail will lead visitors through various chapels with emphasis on Africa and Asia, and scripture will be beamed onto the walls in various languages, including Mandarin. Africa and Asia are given prominence, while Europe, the Americas, and Oceania are tucked behind the asp or totally absent. And so instead, according to Paris architect Maurice Coulot, it's as if Disney were entering Notre Dame. What they are proposing to do to Notre Dame would never be done to Westminster Abbey or St. Peter's in Rome. Another critic of the new Notre Dame said that the new cathedral would be a politically correct Disneyland. Oh, my goodness. Coulot added, it's a kind of theme park and very childish and trivial, given the grandeur of the place. So, close quote, Macron says, don't worry, we're going to build it back better, which is what the World Economic mm. Forum is saying for the whole planet. Yeah. So now we're yeah. getting an understanding of what build back better is. It has to do with rebuilding something that has nothing to do with Christianity anymore, even though it did going back 850 years. Yeah. But it has everything to do with the new leftism, mm -hmm. global warming, multiculturalism, and essentially what you're going to end up with is a woke theme park mm -hmm. or a woke Disneyland. Mm -hmm. yep. And once again, why is this being done? It's being done under the rubric mm -hmm. of CRT. Exactly. Critical race theory, which is being used to whitewash um, any vestige of Christendom. Right. Now, this obviously would be Roman Catholic, and so I'm using Christendom <clears throat> somewhat loosely there, mm -hmm. but there's still kind of a, a biblicism in it, yeah. and the focus was the salvation of the individual soul. Mm -hmm. Well, here the whole focus mm -hmm. is the salvation collectively of the world. Yes moving us into a Marxist paradigm. And again, it's critical race theory that's being used to change the seasons and the times and the law. Yes, sir. It's creating a, a world as if Christianity never existed in it at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why I'm bringing yeah. these things up in a, in a prophecy update. Would you add anything to that? Well, the only thing I would add is just that, and notice who's leading the way, Pope Francis. Yes. The Pope of all people. Yes. No. Let's get to our last little entry here. And by the way, as we were talking, there was a picture there that we had of uh, the reconstruction post-fire that's going on there um, concerning Notre Dame. But let's let's get to our last little entry here, still under critical race theory, and those are the attacks on uh, Thomas Jefferson. Um, I would encourage people to read a book if you're interested in reading something and have some spare time. It's the book called The Jefferson Lies hmm. by David Barton. And I think in this particular book, he just does a wonderful job because he goes through all of the cultural lies that have been aimed at Thomas Jefferson, mm -hmm. um, his alleged deism, yeah. his non-Trinitarianism. Mm -hmm. You know, he shows in the book that he Jefferson was sort of a complicated person. He didn't believe 
exactly the same thing at every time in his life, and his views kind of went through a, a spectrum. Hmm. And so you can't grab one statement he made concerning the deity of Christ or the Trinity and act like that's the way he thought his whole life. Mm-hmm. And he uses primary sources to get his points across. He talks about Thomas Jefferson, and supposedly he gave us a strict wall of separation between church and state. And David Barton shows, yeah, Jefferson said that relative to the free exercise clause of the First Amendment. <laughs> exactly. But not the establishment clause exactly. of the First Amendment. And by the way, my Sunday school lesson also July the fourth, two thousand and twenty one, dealt with that oh, yeah. separation go, go of church get and it, state. Go issue, watch it. If you want our full understanding of that. Yes. Um but Jefferson is under complete and total assault. And why is Thomas Jefferson under assault? We'll talk about it in just a second. But the latest assault has to do with a a statue (laughs) that's been standing in New York City Hall for 187 years. Wow. See how they're going after history? Oh, yeah. I mean, the Notre Dame Cathedral Mm -hmm. has been around 850 years in Paris, and... Thomas Jefferson statue in New York City is 187 years old. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll notice from the picture here, they've got the statue in a box. Yeah, and they're taking old Thomas Jefferson statue away. Why, why, why now, after 187 years, mm-hmm. is having his statue present in New York City Hall so objectionable? Well, he owns slaves. Oh, Okay. Never mind the fact that, as David Barton points out in his book, The Jefferson Lies, Mm -hmm. that had Thomas Jefferson in his home state released his slaves, he would have broken the law. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's never brought out. Right. Um, And the slaves would have been impoverished their whole lives Mm -hmm. if he had just released them willy-nilly like everybody thinks he should have. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're, we're very judgmental using our own cultural definition mm-hmm. about what Thomas Jefferson said and did and thought, you know, over 200 years ago. Right. But because of the advent of critical race theory, it's just dawned on people, I guess, that he owns slaves. So this statue that's existed in City Hall, New York City Hall, for 187 years has to go. Yeah. So what is that article about? It, it's from Julia mm. Marsh, November 22nd, 2021. And it's entitled, Thomas Jefferson Statute Removed from City Hall After 187 Years. Art handlers packed up an 884-pound statue of Jefferson in a wooden crate Monday after a mayoral commission voted to banish the likeness of the nation's third president from City Hall, where it's resided for nearly two centuries because he owned slaves. Carrie Butler, executive director of the Public Design Commission that voted to banish the statue, at first tried to block the press from witnessing its removal. Butler relented after members of the mayor's office and city council intervened. The commission also attempted to vote on the statue's removal without a public hearing on the controversial move until the Post revealed the plan. Removing a monument without a public conversation about why it's happening is useless. New Yorkers all need to talk about who we want to honor and why, said Aaron Thompson, a professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, who authored the forthcoming book, Smashing Statues, The Rise and Fall of America's public monuments. So they do this just like so many things without conversation. They try to do it without the media knowing what's going Mm -hmm. on. Let's just put Thomas Jefferson's statue in a box. Keep it secret. Keep it secret and let's get him out of here. Because even though it's been here 187 years, he he owns slaves. Right. So why is it a problem now? Because of critical race theory. Exactly. Critical race theory has taught us to or given us a lens to examine all of these things under. The argument being made that America was built on the backs of slaves, mm-hmm. and so it's institutionally or structurally racist. Right. 
and the wealth needs needs to be redistributed, right. and we need to move into reparations, which is a code word for Marxism. Right. So Notre Dame being rebuilt, cathedral, critical race theory. Mm. Thanksgiving, that's got to go, critical race theory. Uh, the Rittenhouse verdict, that's obviously racist. Thank <laughs> you, critical race theory. Salvation Army. Um, right down to donations this time of the year. That's got to be analyzed through critical race theory. Yep. And critical race theory is being used over and over and over and over and over again to to alter society and pretend like it, a Christian underpinning never existed. Exactly. Why are they attacking Thomas Jefferson? I'll tell you why they're attacking Thomas Jefferson, because Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> yes. And in the Declaration of Independence, you see unalienable rights mm -hmm. expressed, mm -hmm. meaning we have rights from God. Exactly. And what God giveth, only God can take away, and the state has no authority to take away your Second Amendment rights, your First Amendment rights. It has no authority to shut down your churches, and so right. you can't meet for a season. Mm -hmm. um, it has no authority to take away your Fourth Amendment rights, your private property rights. Why is that? Because the state never gave those. God gave them. Right. And if they're to be removed, only God can do it. And if you don't have Thomas Jefferson with all of his flaws, which we all have flaws, yes, you don't have the concept of inalienable rights expressed in the Declaration of Independence and the New World Order which wants to micromanage our lives from cradle to grave, can't come into existence. Right. That's why they're attacking Thomas Jefferson. Exactly. So remind us what the Declaration of Independence says. Here's a few things that uh, this man wrote. The laws of nature and of nature's God. He wrote, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. He wrote, They are endowed by their creator, with certain unalienable rights. He wrote, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions. And he wrote, with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. So our rights come from God. Mm -hmm. As long as the concept exists, the new world order can't come into existence so let's trash the man who came up with these rights. I want you to understand something, folks, about Thomas Jefferson. This is a, I don't have the exact quote with me, but you can look it up and find it. It's something John F. Kennedy said at a meeting in the White House where all of these sort of Nobel laureates and achievers came together for a meal. And John F. Kennedy said, we haven't seen so much brain power mm -hmm. in the White House since Thomas Jefferson dined in this White House alone. <laughs> wow. That's a quote from... Wow. That's a paraphrase from John F. That's Kennedy. Good. <clears throat> Thomas Jefferson was an absolute genius. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, folks, don't believe this bit about how he cut the miracles out of the Bible because he didn't believe in Jesus Christ and his miracles. Mm -hmm. read, read The Jefferson Lies by David Barton, mm -hmm. and he exposes all of that. I mean, Thomas Jefferson cut the miracles out of the Bible because he was trying to create an ethics book for the Indians, mm -hmm. and he felt that was the best way to teach just the ethics mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ because he was trying to reach them where they were. Now, personally, I don't think that approach is that good, but there's a reason he did that. And it has nothing to do with this alleged deism that he had and his rejection of Jesus Christ. In fact, Thomas Jefferson made the statement that I am a real Christian. He sure did. And what he did not like were the denominations of Christendom, uh, sort of polluting the Christian message, but he loved... Even in his day. Even in his day. But he loved the, what he called the pure teachings of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he talks about how, 
and I wasn't planning on going here, so I don't have all the direct quotes in front of me. I'm going off memory, but he's talking about how he made a study of all of the great philosophers of the world, mm-hmm. and he loved Jesus more than any of the others because Jesus took his scruples and put them into people's hearts. Yes. You know, Jesus taught things like, you know, if you're angry with your brother, you're a murderer. Ouch. Uh, if you've, you know, lusted inappropriately uh, after someone that you're not married to, you're already an adulterer. Whew. And those are the things that Thomas Jefferson couldn't find in any other philosopher of his day. And so he loved the morals mm-hmm. of Jesus. Yeah, he did. And if we didn't, if we don't have Thomas Jefferson, the unique American experiment in freedom that we've had the last two hundred years wouldn't exist. If you besmirch <laughs> Thomas Jefferson's character yes. and you're successful at doing that, then you can hold this up and say this is meaningless. Exactly, and and they, that's that's they have to do that to bring in their maximum exactly Marxist government agenda. So critical race theory mm. is being used to change the times and the law. And the seasons. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, prophecy update. Um, We've gone through a lot of different subjects here. We've talked about Israel. This is kind of a part two of a two-part series. We've talked about the Gog-Magog invasion, the mark of the beast, government tyranny, and critical race theory in this particular show, how it's changing the times and the laws. And all of this, we believe, is stage setting for the Great Tribulation period. Things are not falling apart, as we like to say. They're falling into place. But surely, Brother Jim, amidst all this negative um, (laughs) news, do you have something positive for us? I do, and it's Titus 2.13. And if you don't have this marked in your Bible, go mark it. Listen to this. Looking for the blessed hope. We're not looking for the Antichrist. Yeah. We're not looking for all these naysayers. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. As Pastor just said, things are falling into place, and we should be excited about that. Even though we see all these terrible things happening, we should be rejoicing in our heart knowing that any day, any day, any day, the rapture is imminent. And we should be telling other people about Jesus. So what if there's somebody out there who's just kind of a social media surfer and they happen to run across our broadcast Mm -hmm. and they're just kind of um, a seeker, but they don't know Jesus personally. Mm -hmm. And consequently, they're not tied into this promise of Titus 2.13. What would you tell them to remedy their situation? That's a great question question. Well, first of all, uh, presuming that you are a seeker, that's a good thing. Uh, If you're a seeker, the Bible tells us that you will find God. And uh, Jesus came to this world to take care of a problem that you and I have. That problem is that we're separated from God by our sin. God says in his word that all have sinned. So there are no exceptions. You're Mm -hmm. not an exception. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Thankfully, he doesn't just stop there. He tells us that there is a penalty for having sinned against God. That penalty is separation for all eternity from the loving God who wants you to be a part of his family. So how do you become a part of God's family? Well, it's quite simple, uh, frankly. The Bible says in uh, John chapter 1, verse 12, says to those who have believed, or rather to those who have received him, they have been given the authority, the power to become children of God. A lot of people think that they're already a child of God because that's what the world tells them. Mm-hmm. The scriptures tell us that we're, no, we're not. We're, we're, we're children of the devil, frankly. And so what we have to do is we have to receive the Lord Jesus. Now, what does that, what does that mean? We have to believe We put our faith, our trust, our confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did on our behalf. Now, you'd almost have to be raised up in a box somewhere not to know what Jesus did. Everybody knows about the cross. But the problem is is that people know about the cross, but they don't believe it. And what you have to do is you have to believe that Jesus died on that cross for your sin and that he rose again the third day and that he gives you the promise of eternal life if you will put your faith, confidence, and trust in him for the safekeeping of your soul. 
Now, that's pretty simple. Mm -hmm. And you know what? The simplicity of the gospel gets in the way of a lot of people. They want to work. They want to do something. And uh, they want to be righteous in their own eyes. And God's Word tells us that all of our righteous deeds, all the things that we would do to gain access to God are filthy rags. He wants nothing to do with it. So I'm going to encourage you right now, set aside your filthy rags of righteousness and accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in Him and something wonderful will happen. He will give you His righteousness, which is what God demands. The Bible says, be ye holy for I am holy. You can't be holy without Jesus' righteousness. Put your faith and trust in Him right this very second. And in the instant that you do that, the Bible says that you are made a part of the family of God. And this thing that we talked about, this blessed hope, this blessed hope which is the, excuse me, the rapture where the Lord Jesus comes and calls us to Himself, you now qualify for that. And you can be expecting that at any moment just as we do. So I encourage you to do that. It, there's nothing hard about it. Just put your faith in Jesus right now. And what a great time of the year as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Christ, to be yeah. a newborn child of God. Amen. Yes. Um, just by way of review here, not review, but some concluding remarks, the, our book on Babylon is out. You can find that on Amazon or at Dispensational Publishing House. We continue our study, verse by verse, Wednesday evenings through the book of Zechariah. Starting up again January 6, 2022, we'll be starting there in Chapter 6 of the Book of Zechariah. Beyond that, um, I would encourage you to look us up, if you're interested, in podcast format, where Pastor's Point of View is now available on podcast, and just type into the search engine where you get your podcasts, Andy Woods or... Andy Woods podcast or Andy Woods pastor's point of view, and it should come right up. Here's all of the different podcast formats we're on. Uh, there you see about, oh, I don't know, 10 podcast formats and add an 11th one, uh, the Apple format we're mm -hmm. on as well. Mm -hmm. And as you're doing your holiday shopping, I would encourage you to think about Amazon Smile where you can help out Andy Woods Ministries, yes. you can help out Chafer Theological Seminary, etc. Yeah. And if you're looking for some theological education, think about uh, the school that I'm the president of, Chafer Theological Seminary. Just go to www.chafer.edu to look at our spring classes that we're going to be teaching, degree programs, and we're really teaching people how to become Bible teachers. Mm -hmm. So if you feel God has called you to do that and you want to divide God's Word rightly with proper understanding of systematic theology and the original languages of Scripture, check out Chafer Seminary. And mm -hmm. also, Brother Jim, on May the 14th, and May the 15th of 2022, we're going to be hosting our very own Prophecy Conference. It's exciting. And um, people have asked me, you know, you spend a lot of time traveling around to other people's conferences, which I'm happy to do. When are you going to have your own conference? And we finally capitulated and conceded. <laughs> and so we're having a conference on Israel, and we picked May the 14th for this conference because that, of course, was the day that the modern state of Israel was reborn. Yes. Israel is a massive subject in the Bible, <laughs> and we want to look at what the Bible has to say about Israel. So we're going to be looking at Israel yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Subjects will include things like this, Israel and the Antichrist, Israel and the church, Israel and the kingdom. Israel and the tribulation, Israel and the world, Israel and the covenants, and much, much more. We're going to have special worship music with, with Corey and Love Shalom. And uh, the speakers at this particular conference right here at Sugarland Bible Church are going to be myself, Olivier Melnick, and Jeff Kinley. 
And we're going to be dealing with this subject on that Saturday, and it's going to kind of move into our Sunday morning services, which will be the final two sessions of the conference. This will be live-streamed, and there's no charge, of course. But I know a lot of you would just love to come to Sugarland in person. Yeah. We have a couple of great hotels just nearby that you could stay at. And uh, come to get to know us here at Sugarland Bible Church and take in a great conference with mm-hmm. some wonderful, wonderfully qualified people Amen. to deal with the subject of Israel. Would you add anything to that? I am excited. I can't wait. That's right. I hope to see you there. Yes. And um, Jim, I think last session or the session before mentioned these show notes, which we make available to you for free. Um, and you can get those by just going to Andy Wood's ministries.org and on the homepage there's a way to sign up for a free subscription to our newsletter. So every time we post these PPOV episodes, if you sign up and subscribe, these will show up in your inbox. Um, And you could look at all of the links that we use Mm -hmm. and do your own research from there and keep us honest to make sure we're quoting articles accurately and that our sources are true because some of the things we say on the PPOV brother Jim are so unbelievable to people <laughs> people might wonder if is this really true and we give you the sources from yeah. which we're drawing from yeah and sometimes like today where we, we don't have enough time to just read the entire article yeah. so go get the links yes and uh, please track us down on YouTube um, just type in Andy Woods into your YouTube search engine and click subscribe and click the bell. We upload things onto YouTube probably four times a week. Mm-hmm. And this presentation, you are probably you might be watching on YouTube. We're also on Rumble. Just go to Andy Woods Ministries on Rumble. Make sure your settings are set to channels. And then type in Andy Woods Ministries and we'll come right up. We're also on Telegram. And boy, there's so many of these little things uh, out there, Brother Jim. I, I may have forgotten one or two, but we're trying to get our message out into the world without the world getting into us. Amen, brother. So that's a, that's a tough call, isn't I it? I pray for you. You pray for me. <laughs> Absolutely. So at this time, we're going to sign off, and we'll see you next week for Pastor's Point of View. Thank you for watching. God bless you. God bless.